History has demonstrated that the most notable winners usually encountered heartbreaking obstacles before they triumphed. They won because they refused to become discouraged by their defeats. BC Forbes. So many memorable K-State moments are etched into our minds, but how did they get there? The thrill of victory is memorable, but what is not is the agony of defeat along the way to experience the ultimate triumph. He got it! He got it! He got it! History is written by the victors, Winston Churchill. It's a big, 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 big touchdown! Join Blake Crawford and John Grove as they look back on K-State's greatest moments. And we're starting off with a bang. You know the backdrop, Nebraska's been the dominant team. K-State's been trying to take them down for three decades, the better part of. They feel that, as of today, Big Red is dead and the purple rain begins. simpler time. Gas was a dollar a gallon. Lauren Hill's doo-wop, That Thing, had just debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart that day. The Water Boy had come out eight days prior and was a total hit. But on that fateful Saturday afternoon at what was then called KSU Stadium, none of that mattered. November 14, 1998, was Judgment Day for the Children of the Corn. Brown's in a shotgun, takes a snap. Looks downfield, being rushed, gets hit, comes away from one man, gets hit as he throws the football, it's loose, picked up by Jeff Kelly! The perfect storm was brewing for Bill Snyder and the K-State faithful. The 1998 K-State football team was already the most dominant K-State team ever, putting up 48 or more points in 8 of their 9 games. And defensively, they were the number one scoring defense coming into November 14, 1998, only allowing teams to score double figures one time. It earned them a number one spot in the coaches' poll, but the ultimate test awaited them. What was to come on that Saturday will never be forgotten. The day that changed everything and cemented the legacy of an all-time great football team. November 14, 1998. The day Nebraska's 29-game win streak was shattered. If you lose to somebody, you always... Keep it in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm not going to let you beat me twice. That's going to make me go out this, this Saturday and play the best game I ever played in my life. Frank Solich has warned Nebraska will never pass the torch. The torch has to be taken 
Fourth. You know what? There are so many areas that Kansas State has an advantage over Nebraska in this football game. It's hard to pick just one. Willie the Wildcat! Willie the Wildcat in the big win! Go Kansas State! This may be a day Kansas State faithful will never forget. You know, it's been said that K-State would never beat Nebraska. It was unthinkable, unimaginable. It's been 29 years that K-State has had to watch the Red fans go home with a win. Well, today the color of choice is purple as K-State has beaten Nebraska for the first time in Manhattan since 1959. They win it 40-30, to 30, and it is party time in Manhattan. Welcome, everybody, into the debut episode of Willie's Archive, a Shake and Blake special. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. I think we got a great episode for you. As we saw earlier, November 14, 1998, the day K-State finally beat Nebraska after 29 years of just utter domination from a Big Red. But, John, I'm going to go right to you with this, the one big question, just yes or no. We'll get into it in a lot more detail later on in the show. Is this the most important win in K-State history? I think looking back then, you you definitely had to consider it to be the most important game in K-State history. Uh, it was mass hysteria gripped by K-State's football team and its fans in the waning moments of the, of the Wildcats' 40-30 to victory over Nebraska. It, it, was, it was a moment that a lot of people wanted to see coming. They haven't beaten Nebraska since 1968. Oh, I think that was in Lincoln, right? Yeah. 19- that, that was before my parents were even born. <laughs> my dad was one. But it was it was, <laughs> oh it, was um, it it was a day that a lot of people wanted to see happen for the for the folks up north and red they wanted to keep that streak going, uh, but K State knew that um, that wasn't going to be their day uh, that that wasn't going to continue. Yeah, well, I mean we're already partially kind of in the mindset of 1998, John. But let's go ahead and get in, into a little bit more of the mindset as we saw some of the movies and the songs that were popular at the time. But again, November 14, 1998, 44,298 people in attendance at KSU Stadium. Uh, what, the NBA's in the middle of a pretty big lockout right now. They're waiting yeah. to see if Michael Jordan will retire. Your Denver Broncos are looking to repeat as Super Bowl champions right now, which they did, right? Did they win the 99 uh, Super Bowl? I, I thought it was either a year before or a year after. Okay, I could well, be wrong. Well, anyway, they won the 98 Super Bowl. I do know that, and they are currently, as of November 14, 1998, trying to repeat as champs. But let's talk about this game a little bit, John. I mean, K-State, if you ever want to put a smile on your face, just go to Wikipedia and look at the scores for the 1998 K-State football team. They had, were absolutely demolishing every single team they faced. This was the peak team that Bill Snyder had put together, 24 seniors, as we mentioned in our uh, round two of K-State trivia on sparkle.com 18 players on this roster would eventually have some sort of role in the nfl this was an absolutely dominant team they had the number one offense at the end of the year as of right now they had the number one scoring defense i mean but i think john people only really cared about this game i mean like this i think a lot of k-state fans were asking if not now when because this is a nebraska team that was as shaky as they've ever looked they they have two losses already coming in seven and two here in this game they're under backup quarterback, redshirt freshman Eric Crouch. Tom Osborne is gone, and now it's under the helm of uh, freshman coach Frank Solich. I mean, this, if, again, John, if not now, when? 
Well, I, I think before the game even kicked off, I, it would be a lie to say most of the Purple Clad fans gathered the stadium uh, saying that it, that they were really confident. Yes, the Wildcats had looked unstoppable for most of the season, save for a momentary blip at Colorado. Yes, and Michael Bishop and, and the Wildcats are arguably case, uh, college football's best quarterback, a weapon through the air on and on the ground. But it was Nebraska. I mean, you haven't beaten them in, in 29 years. Uh, and you're you're wanting to talk about Nebraska back in the nineties. Think of it as the Alabama and Clemson uh, back in the nineteen nineties. Um, that's just that's just what comes into mind of how powerful Nebraska was. But difference uh, between Nebraska and that and in nineteen ninety eight and those uh, and the other nineteen ninety teams uh, for the Huskers. They, they were not for Nebraska the old. Tom Osborne has hung up his clipboard, and the Huskers were now led by freshman head coach and Frank Solage uh, and a freshman quarterback and Aaron Crouch. Plus, Nebraska was hardly unscathed coming into this game. They have taken, uh, it had taken the Huskers a goal line stand to ward off a suddenly feisty Oklahoma State team and Texas A&M, which already claimed the first Nebraska scalp of the year. Then, and what would become the uh, habit for the for the Big Red, the Huskers had lost to Texas and Ricky Williams. So, if anything, the faithful uh, Lincoln had much doubt coming into this game as ever. I mean, everybody knew the impact that this game could have, John. The K-State faithful, as well as ESPN, College Game Day was there for the very first time inside KSU Stadium. It was one of the biggest crowds ever um, that ever came in, I believe, to College Game Day. Um, I mean, we can go ahead and uh, take a look at some of their, their picks that they made for uh, College Game Day. In that position. Well, Kansas State has been the most dominant team in college football this year. They're killing everybody. They have great athletes. They should destroy Nebraska. Come on, guys. But Kansas State has waited 12 <laughs> months for this opportunity. Instead of people saying, can you win this game? They're saying, how bad are you going to kill Nebraska? Expect the unexpected. Nebraska upsets Kansas State. Boom! <laughs> Boom! How, how in the world can you pit Nebraska? You're a Kansas State team. What are you going with this time? Uh-oh. <laughs> Willie the Wildcat! Willie the Wildcat in a big win! Go Kansas State! Lee Corso says Big Red is dead. Let the purple rain begin. Uh, just just hearing Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, and Chris Fowler, who used to host College Game Day uh, at the what was previously called KSU Stadium, uh, the atmosphere around the game uh, was charged with expectation. The game day crew made usual, less than charitable remarks about the program. Nothing in Bill Snyder's total control. Uh, the quaint smallness of the stadium, and of course, uh, that Nebraska was still too too high of a mountain for K-State to climb. None of that mattered for K-State fans, so when Corso finally donned the Willie uh, Wildcat oversized head, the entire fandom went went berserk. Yeah, I mean, the entire time at College Game Day, the, the crowd was pretty volatile. I mean, they were hating on um, Herb Street a lot. We actually have one more clip, he said, and then we'll get into kind of um, some of the things that were affecting K-State's ranking at the time in 1998. Kansas State needs to move up 32 spots in the strength of schedule to catch UCLA for that second bot, second spot for the chances of the Fiesta Bowl. You have to look at Kansas State in their next three games. If they can win out and win their last three games against opponents that have a combined 24-5 and record going into today, the they will be standing at the end and be in the Fiesta Bowl if they're able to win those three games. But 
But unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, let me make sure they hear this. Unfortunately, I don't see them winning all three games. I agree with Tony. Tennessee against the winner of the Florida Florida State game. Ooh. You know, we did some math, and I do agree with you. It's not just opinion. We spent last night on the phone with Jeff Sager, and Kansas State will have enough schedule strength to get up over UCLA if they can win out. If they can win out, they'll Absolutely. be there. And the computer That's... still says there's only a 13% chance of the top three teams going out on <laughs> That's right. what the computer says. So, I mean, we mentioned earlier, K-State was number one in the coaches poll, number two in the AP poll at the moment. But in the poll that really mattered, John, the BCS poll, they were number three, which had them on the outside looking in of the national championship in the Fiesta Bowl. And something to remember, John, 1998, this is the debut year of the BCS system and all the calculations yep. they had. Um, as it stood at the moment, they had Tennessee at one, UCLA at two, K-State at three. Obviously, all those teams were undefeated. Um, we know what happens in a few weeks and winning those three games. But, I mean, pretty much our whole lives, John, we've lived with the BCS system, which has gotten a lot of flack, obviously. And then in 2014, we switched to the college playoff, which obviously is already looking to make some changes that may or may not happen within the near future. But that got me thinking about what was happening before the BCS system and Oh my gosh, it Ugh. makes us look really bad for complaining about what we have now because it was it was not good. First of all, from 95 to 97, you have the Bowl Alliance, which the main problem with the Bowl Alliance is there was no Rose Bowl because you had no Pac-10 and Big 10 teams into um the Bowl Alliance, which mean or any mid-majors, which means that if any of those teams were number 2, you would not have the two best teams playing in a big bowl game. But you also had K-State as well playing in one of those bowl games back in 1997 uh, at the Bowl against Syracuse. So that's one little nugget. But uh, going back to the BCS, I, I, I liked its system early on. Uh, but I think they, I think the game day crew was right when they're talking about the strength of schedule uh, on K-State's part. Looking at some of the non-conference games, Indiana State, Northern Illinois, Northeast Louisiana, which is, pre- which is now Louisiana Lafayette, um, those aren't the type of games that's going to uh, really prestige you uh, and uh, like boost your prestige when it comes to the BCS rankings. Um, I mean, you're looking at some of some of the other games in the Big 12. The the only uh, top 25 teams on the schedule were well, pre, well previously was Nebraska. Uh, and then you played at number 19 Missouri, uh, and then at number 14 Colorado, in which you won. That's only one game you've won before hitting into the Nebraska game. So. Like they said, you got to win these two games and the Big 12 championship if you want to have a shot at the national championship. Yeah, and then you also needed kind of a break to go your way, which we actually did in the you know during that Big 12 championship with Miami well, upsetting UCLA, yeah. but obviously we couldn't get the job on our part. How weird is that get, oh. to schedule a game like that late in the season? Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, you know, there was obviously complications with the bowl uh with the bowl alliance uh none other than BYU who was number five in the country in 1996. They had an excellent season. They didn't get into a BCS bowl game or a a bowl alliance bowl game. They ended up actually playing K-State in the Cotton Bowl and won. And then there was actually an investigation into some antitrust issues where the head coach of BYU spoke in front of Congress and they wanted some changes. Um, And then they eventually got it with the BCS system. Before that, um, in 1992 to 94, you had the Bowl Coalition, Pretty much the same thing um, that dissolved because of the dissolving of the Southwestern Conference, which turned into the Big 12, which kind of made things a little complicated. But I mean, in 1995, it was pretty much the same problem with the Bowl Alliance. No Pac-12, no Big 10, because they were both um, obligated to play in the Rose Bowl. 
1995, Nebraska was number one. Penn State is number two. They were independent, but then they joined the Big Ten. So now they can't play against Nebraska. So then my uh, the number three team plays against Nebraska. And then you get into this weird thing where you might have co-national championships, which are national champions, excuse me, which we've had the problem with before for years. I mean, John, the, the team who has the most national championships is Princeton. But 20 of those national championships were before 1900, and most of them were shared or were like when Princeton went like one and one in 1869, and they were declared national championship which champions, which is like, you know, good for you, man. But K-State should have been better at earlier on so we could have a few natties to our name and get KU off our back. Well, I think also when you're talking about um, the BCS in, in terms of conference or alignment, yeah. you're talking about Penn State being independent. Let's kind of fast forward to what's happening today with BYU coming in from the independence to the Big 12, they have a lot of non-conference teams scheduled, and it's going to just create a lot of complications when they're joining the Big 12. So we're going to have to cancel a lot of games. That goes for the American Athletic Conference schools as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on that part. But you said at K-State, maybe a little bit late when it came <laughs> when it came to uh, when it came to the um, top contending uh, top contending schools in college football back back in the 90s, but uh not nonetheless i mean being from what was previously back in the 80s three winless seasons yeah. until coach Snyder came along just getting that program up from the ground is one thing but to put them uh to even like where nebraska was i mean that was nothing short of a miracle yeah so i mean i'm sure 1998 fans are excited for a new system where the number one and number two teams are basically guaranteed to play each other and we will have a like a for sure solid national champion here in 1998 now i mean it's going forward a little bit to after this game against Nebraska we know what happens in the Big 12 championship K-State falls in double OT and we're come out of the BCS rank number three and we we're not the Big 12 champion obviously but somehow we don't get into a BCS bowl. I mean not not even as an art large big K-State's yeah. going to the Alamo Bowl and playing Drew Brees and Purdue of all teams yeah I mean number four Ohio State gets bumped over us for a BCS bowl two loss number eight Florida gets bumped over us for a BCS Bowl. I mean, John, we just completely got screwed. This led to the Kansas State rule, it's colloquially called, where if you're ranked number three in the BCS, you're guaranteed a BCS Bowl game. But what did they do the very next year, John, in 1999? We're number six. I think we're one lost team in 99 because we lost to Nebraska and then they got to the Big 12 Championship. Um, but we're number six in the BCS. Do we get a BCS Bowl? Of course no. we don't. Of course we freaking don't. No. We play in the Holiday Bowl against Washington, which we do end up winning. But it's just like it's uh, there's always something to complain about with college football. I mean, it's really funny. You go there's an entire Wikipedia page for BCS controversies. Every single year, there's a solid paragraph about stuff to complain about. I mean, even with the college football playoff, there's still issues. I mean, it's. It can't be that hard to pick, you know, just have to find a national championship. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, the, the K-State rule back in, well, especially back in 1998 where K-State didn't make it, the only reason why Florida got in was because they were playing in the Orange Bowl and they wanted the amount, mo- most amount of tickets they could have uh, from Gainesville all the way to Miami. I mean, and then eventually the rule got to a point where now you're looking at some of the other at-large teams who are like ranked 6th or 7th. You're looking at Mark Mangino's KU team back in 2008. They didn't even play in the Big 12 championship, and they lost to, to a Big 12 runner-up in Missouri. But yet they still made it in the Orange Bowl. It's just, it's just screwed K State so much back in the nineties. Um, oh, I don't know. That it, it just, that it just, I never understood it. I never understood it. 
Yeah, it's just it's always it's just it's quite a complicated matter that I don't know if it really needs to be that complicated. But let's get back to this game, John. Everybody is calling it Judgment Day for the Children of the Corn, which Chris Fowler showed a shirt for. I really want that shirt. Me too. That would be so cool. Somebody needs to show me that shirt because that would be so awesome. Right. Judgment Day. Let, that should be like our thing for Iowa State or something because that is so cool. That does sound like a oh good idea. However, I mean, you already had K-State and Nebraska being yeah. one of the bigger rivalries back then before K-State and Iowa State really – I think the Farm McGinnon talk started probably back in 2009 around there yeah. when the game started becoming really close. The K-State-Nebraska game, they, they, were really, they were really intense back in the 90s. Um, and for a K-State fan, like you, like you said, judgment uh, for the children of a corn. I mean, Nebraska's had K-State's number for a long time, uh, and possibly with one of ne- Nebraska's worst teams back in the 90s against the best team in possibly in K-State football history. I would say without a doubt the best team I'd in say, K-State Yeah, football. I'd say without a doubt as well. That's that's pretty – that is a that is a judgment day yeah, without I'm, a doubt. I mean, yeah, just again, to, I mean, set it up. You know, this is the best K-State team against the shakiest Nebraska team we've ever seen. I mean, this team has serious national championship hopes. I mean, we've destroyed all of kind of the bad teams. We had one shaky game against Colorado on the road where Michael Bishop – I think he threw his only pick of the season against Colorado, but – I mean, in Michael Bishop's one loss, he's 44-1 and coming into this game, John, in his two years at JUCO and one year at K-State. His only loss is to Nebraska, and he is very motivated to avenge that. So, I mean, I think with that, I think we can take a quick break, John, and we'll get back to actually breaking down the contents of this game in a game that, as Keith Jackson put, This may be a day Kansas State faithful will never forget. And we're back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove in our debut episode of Willie Ar- Willie's Archive talking about 1998 K-State versus Nebraska. Now, John, had you watched this game before, like actually watched the whole game before um, this week? I've watched, well, I watched the highlights this week, okay. but in but in past years I have. Okay. It's mainly before we play Nebraska in any <laughs> sport. I just, I just look back and it I is. Look- it is uh, a fun one. Those are the good old days. I mean, there are a few moments that, you know, kind of come to mind, but let's kind of talk about some of the stuff people may forget. For People forget about how sloppy of a game this was. This game took a while to really get going. I mean, Nebraska started out hot. They were running the ball really well. Um, they just go 80, 80 yards pretty easily to score early. But, I mean, John, there were nine combined turnovers in this game. I think Michael Bishop fumbled four times. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't the best game, but I think – there were some key moments where K-State really could have, you know, kind of um, crumbled and kind of choked, but they really rose to the occasion and did what it took to beat a, even, you know, a really solid Nebraska team. Well, I think right before kickoff, I mean, the, clearly the stage was set for an epic battle. Unfortunately, the game it's, uh, itself did not early on. Uh, it had They had the matchup uh, of a height surrounding it, just a little bit of a disappointing start. And in an up-and-down contest, neither K-State or Nebraska – Really set the tone. Although the Huskers led seventeen to fourteen at the half, thanks to two fumbles from uh, Michael Bishop, he also managed to turn the ball over two more times in the second half. Uh, but Bishop paired paired the turnovers with some uh, wild eye popping runs through the heart of Nebraska defense, and then hit Darnell McDonald and strike for for a decisive score uh, later on. But uh, back to the first half, it was it was just not a pretty look early on. Uh, but 
I think after after the first half, K State really sought to seek the momentum. Yeah, I think the second half we we really turned it around. I'd be really interested to talk with like Mike Stoops, the defensive coordinator, or somebody on the defense. Um, um, Snyder might have been asked this in his post game press conference for it, but just whatever they did to make the adjustments in the second half. I mean, their defense was extremely stout. I mean, the one thing I do want to note from the first half, John, is um, Kenny Cheatham makes this absolutely like. Uh, Jared Cooper, I think, just he kind of gets mossed, honestly. Like, Eric Crouch makes a total dime, and uh, Kenny Cheetah makes a one handed grab for a touchdown to put Nebraska up 14 7. If you haven't watched the game, you could go back and watch that because that was an absolutely sick catch. Uh, here's the call from Keith Jackson Crouch with a lot of time, lets it go, and it is caught it. Caught the ball. Kenny Cheatham reached up one-handed and reeled it in for a touchdown. Holy cow. Unbelievable. Lamar Chapman was all over it. Oh, Lamar Chapman. So I guess Lamar Chapman was the one covering him. But anyway, I mean, they go into half down 17-14, John. That was the first time they trailed all season. But they come out hot, right? I mean, Darnell McDonald scores a touchdown, which is a really big touchdown because K-State had never led against Nebraska since 1991. So to even have the lead was just a really big deal. And then um, they drive down. Martin Gramatica kicks a field goal. It's 24-17. But this is the pivotal moment, John, that really probably just felt like a dagger in the heart of K-State fans. Now Bishop. Sends Murphy to the line of scrimmage with the ball, and he loses it. And here goes Nebraska the other way. Ralph Brown, and they will not catch him. And just like that, a bolt of lightning. I mean, Nebraska's offense could absolutely not get it going in the second half. And for Michael Bishop to fumble again, they're at like midfield. And for for a fumble, scoop and score to tie the game at 24. I mean, that could have been a moment, John, that really changed things for Nebraska. But it really didn't. I think we got back on track offensively. I think we go down and kick a field goal. Um, we'll talk about Martin Gramatic a little bit later and some of his ways, his celebrations of field goals because I think they're absolutely hilarious. But, I mean, it was a key pivotal point in the game, John. But going into the fourth, I'm sure K-State fans' hearts were pumping with uh, what forty four thousand two hundred ninety eight people at KSU Stadium. I mean, just just saying, like this could be one of the more important moments in the football program's history. You have you have uh, a, you are I think your fourth quarter, right? Is it fourth quarter? Yeah, fourth quarter. Your your game. The game is on the line. The streak is on the line as well. Just seeing what's going to be the narrative uh, hitting up throughout the next few years. Will K State finally be able? To uh, reach the mountain in in uh, known as Nebraska, or will Nebraska just continue to keep uh, piddly dumping on K State like they have over the past few years? Um, but man, that, that Ralph Brown seventy uh, four yard f- uh, fumble uh, scoop and score that was just absolutely brutal. He was he was just wide open spaces over there. K State just could not catch him. Yeah, and I think it's something people might forget about. I mean, they remember the Jeff Kelly one. Obviously, they remember, you know, the thing we're going to get to later um, with like maybe, you know, maybe a questionable call. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really see it. But anyway, I mean, so Martin Gramatica kicks a field goal in the fourth to make it 27-24. Nebraska goes down. uh, Steven Jackson, I believe is his name, uh, catches a nine-yard pass from Eric Crouch to make it 30-27. So Nebraska's got the lead late in the fourth. Uh, six plays, 77-yard scoring drive, capped off by a nine-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously another dagger in the heart of K-State fans, but K-State goes right down. Well, 
here, go ahead. But uh, Brown, the kicker for Nebraska, he yeah. missed the extra point attempt, and the Huskers had a at a thirty to twenty seven lead. So I mean, if K State was ever in in a situation, they possibly could have kicked the field goal, uh, which could have led to um, potentially overtime as well. But uh, that never happened. K State's offense just really got going late in the game. Yeah, and then you know Darnell McDonald this uh, did this for eleven yards to give K State the lead. Low snap. He got some room over there. Comes back into the end zone. Touchdown, McDonald. So five minutes left, John. K-State leads 34-30. to So that extra point means a lot because Nebraska needs a touchdown if they want to take the lead. They can't tie it. Uh, and Nebraska, I mean, the defense remains stout. I believe it's fourth and 10. And um, one of the most replayed clips you'll probably see from K-State fans and Nebraska fans happens. Fourth and nine for Nebraska. Pressure coming. They got him. That's a face mask. That is a face mask, wasn't it? The referee had his hand on on his uh, flag and didn't throw it. Here comes Oaks. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He got him by the face mask up to the umpire to see if the umpire may have seen it. Um, a, a face mask call? I mean... Uh, I mean, are we living in a uh, are we living in a nocturnal world? I mean, I I think we have been I think we've been dealing with this all the time in in the Big Twelve as of late. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I, I I don't I don't really recall that. Um, but going back to the touchdown, um, I'm I'm gonna go back to the touchdown yeah, go real ahead. quick. Michael Busher made incredible plays back then, and that touchdown was a great example of his capabilities. That time the ball was snapped low. He had to go rolling out immediately. He wanted to get out of, out of a pocket because he took too long to get the snap. When he tried to go uh, right, the, all the Huskers went went with him, trying to cover all the wide receivers. However, Darnell McDonald, who started on the right side, he went back over to the middle of the field, all wide open in the end zone. And even with a quarterback like Michael Bishop, who has great arm strength, very few quarterbacks can get to the right, turn back, and hit the pass over to the middle accurately. The way Bushup and McDonald orchestrated that drive will forever be remembered in K-State history. Uh, and then right after that, uh, clearly, a, the clearly um, alleged one of the most uh, one I, of the most uh, regular plays we'll see every day. Yeah, I saw there was a great website that I saw made by a Nebraska fan that had an entire page. It looked like it was from like the mid two thousands or something with a few clips of pictures of that face mask, and it was just so funny. <laughs> that, just just an opportunity for K State fans to really rub uh, it in, save, save their images uh, on camera roll, and then when they yeah. look up on Twitter, uh, puts uh, some of the most iconic photos in college football yeah they'll put uh they'll put the uh nebraska player being decapitated now i mean to be fair john so hypothetically they call the face mask right with how good this k-state defense is looking nebraska has to go all the way down the field to score a touchdown i still like k-state odds in this game i don't think it was a you know it if like that face mask happened nebraska would have just 100 percent won the game i still like k-state's odds really well with how the defense was looking i mean they were looking terrible on that first drive it immediately went to fourth and nine so I mean it's not like you know it was just completely game-changing and we Nebraska just totally got robbed K-State was still looking pretty dominant on defense well for Nebraska on the losing side of a scoreline for the first time in three decades the loss was (laughs) disappointing but unremarkable especially 
from a fan's perspective, looking at looking up away, they kind of got robbed on the last minute, even though I didn't really see anything. Um, from a fan perspective, though, the loss was easy to rationalize. After all, I had taken the the best K State team to ever in full for, uh, for four full quarters to beat the worst Nebraska team in a generation. But I wonder if the wiser Husker fans knew the warm turn that day, that the bat, that the baton um, had as, oh, was it a baton? Uh, a baton. W- baton, that's right. It's, they spelled it wrong on this, <laughs> on my notes. Uh, wondering if the baton has passed. I mean, I wonder if they understood uh, that this was the first sign of a program's long, slow slide into mediocrity. Because we know what they're like it, now. It was a preview of things to come, John. But let's finish recapping the game first. There's not much else to recap. I mean, you know, um, we get the ball back. We kind of run some clock. Nebraska doesn't have a lot of time to work with. And then, obviously, the famous uh, play happens that we, we hear a lot. Crouch in a shotgun. Takes a snap. Looks downfield. Bean rushed. Gets hit. Comes away from one man. Gets hit as he throws the football. It's loose. Picked up by Jeff Kelly. Kelly to 20. 15. 10. Kelly to the 5. Dies. Did he get in? Yes. Touchdown. Jeff Kelly. Kansas State leads 40 to 30. The fans are storming the field. But Jeff Kelly picked up the loose football and ran it in for six more points for Kansas State. They lead 40 to 30. You know, it's been said that K-State would never beat Nebraska. It was unthinkable, unimaginable. It's been 29 years that K-State has have to watch the Red fans go home with a win. Well, today the color of choice is purple as K-State has beaten Nebraska for the first time in Manhattan since 1959. They win it 40-30, to and it is party time in Manhattan. I, I can I can't real exactly remember the details about what happened after the final whistle. I'm pretty sure there was three seconds left, but there were so many K State fans and rejoice like all oh, the streak is over. I mean I mean you have to storm the field at some point. I I only know that the vast majority of the forty thousand old folks in attendance that day were carried down on a tidal wave of euphoria. That, were, that turned Wagner Field into a sea of purple. The goalpost came down, uh, and the rest was history. I mean, it really was. I mean, K-State fans forgot how football works, that um, they scored the touchdown. There's three seconds left. K-State still has to kick an extra point, but, I mean, the entire crowd is in the field. And then, and then even after that, they get all the crowd off the field. K-State just takes a knee for the extra point like that would run out the clock, but it obviously doesn't. So, I mean, they, they didn't even kick it off. They were kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, we don't feel like dealing with this. Like, let's just, <laughs> like, this is over. This is basically over. It was so weird. Now, John, we previewed this on Twitter that this game was actually one of the worst bad beats in college football gambling history. And you have to remember, the line for this game was K-State was favored by 10.5. So Kate, so it was looking pretty tough for K-State fans to cover. But Jeff Kelly gets the scoop and score to make it 40-3. to You're like, yes, all we have to do is kick the extra point, and we cover. But <laughs> obviously, oh. K-State... The K-State fans storm the field. They get called for excessive celebration, which is probably the most justified flag of excessive celebration I've ever seen in my life when you get tens of thousands of fans <laughs> storming the field. I don't know if it was on the coaches or the players or the, or the fans. Probably both. But, I mean, they have Martin Gramatica to kick a field goal, but they just they don't take the chance, and they just take a knee. So, if you, so you actually end up losing the bet, which I think is absolutely hilarious. But, obviously, there's still elation for K-State fans. Now, on the side, of, you talked about how Nebraska fans are feeling. I found a recap article from the Daily Nebraskan 
Now, this is a quote by Nebraska linebacker Jay Foreman. He said, quote, if you ask them off the record away from the TV cameras, they will know deep down that they should not have won this game. They did not come out here today and kick our butts. I don't know what the heck the deal was, but they did not win that game. And then it goes on to say that Foreman disputed several calls by the referees, including a no call by the officials on Nebraska's last real chance to piece together. I don't know what that call was about. I don't recall anything about that. Um, So obviously... Nebraska fans a little salty. Um, let's see. We got another quote here from Sheldon Jackson. Um, this was just one year. We have a lot of new guys, and we haven't learned how to win yet. The torch being passed, I don't buy that. I take nothing from their win. They're a good team, but I believe the best team in the country has three losses this season, and it wears N on its helmets. I mean, obviously, they're heartbroken um, by this loss, and they're just, you know, they're in denial, John. It's I feel really bad for them. I feel real bad for them. They they lost you you but you want to know how many times we lost to them dating back like twenty nine years. Well, I mean, like years? they just they haven't accept it. Just, it hasn't really hit them yet. Obviously, when they've done these interviews, this is exact like it's, the, it's, what, 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 they're they're ranting like Lincoln Riley left for Southern Cal and the OU fans just well, came out here. I mean, that. you know, I'm sure they were pretty emotional. You know, they had just lost a game like that. You know. And you know, obviously, getting a bunch of K State fans that happy, I'm sure it just makes well, them absolutely and furious. For, and for K State fans on the other hand, this just feels like the beginning—a small burst of greatness. Uh, the first peaks uh, cemented, uh, sub- submitted <laughs> on the way to college football's ultimate mountain talk. I mean, uh, the, this would be never no, uh, never. To, oh man, I cannot talk today. Uh, this would be no. Uh, something we could have uh, never known on that fateful November 14th. And that really built a lot of stuff um, to come for for the near future for K-State fans, knowing that they have a lot of passion and pride for the football team. Now that they've been able to, to win, to win people over, to, to finally beat the team that they've been trying to, it's like Michigan and Ohio state, Um, except, except Michigan hasn't, Except K State hasn't beaten them in forever. Like it's it's just been agonizing as a K State fan. I can imagine back then. Yeah, I mean it's obviously very similar to the streak that got broken in two thousand seven for basketball. Um, obviously just huge elation by the fans. You know, K State wins at forty to thirty for Nebraska on that fateful day in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll go through some categories and get back to the question: Is this the most important win in K State history here on the Shake and Blake Show? on Wildcat 91.9, debuting our Willie's Archive. What's up, guys? Blake from the future. Just wanted to remind you to follow the podcast wherever you're listening, Shake and Blake. Make sure to leave a review as well. Tell us how we're doing. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ShakeandBlake312 so you never miss when we're dropping new content for you guys, as we always are. Make sure you're taking our Sporkle quizzes as well. There are three of them available on Sporkle.com. Just look up K-State Sports Trivia round one, two, or three. Then again, let us know how you do. On Twitter at Shake, the letter N, Blake312. Let's go ahead and get back to the debut episode of Willie's archive and we're back on the debut episode of willie's archive on the shake and blake show with blake crawford and john grove here on wildcat 91.9 we're going to run through some categories here and then get to the question is this the most important win in k-state history john john do you have the category for summarize this game in six words or less i only did five miracle of manhattan okay i put the happiest place on earth so we only needed eight words i guess that's fair yeah i mean (laughs) i mean the commentator already implied that uh as well yeah because i mean it really was most rewatchable sequence john oh jeff kelly's fumble re- scoop that's not a, score. that's one play 
We need a sequence. Okay, a sequence? Oh, man. The fans storming the field. Yeah. Like, I think I think just the, generally not a K-State fan, the Jeff Kelly interception that like is like tipped in the air and he dives and gets it is pretty cool right into the K-State fumble. That's an interesting little sequence. I think pretty much everything after for a K-State fan, everything after the um, the uh, scoop and score by Nebraska to tie it at 24 is definitely going back and worth rewatching because uh, obviously there's some fun stuff. I obviously, think, you know you're going to win, so that makes it a lot more fun to watch. I think possibly yeah. you can look at another another highlight. It didn't result into a touchdown, but David Allen's 53-yard punt yeah. return leading into uh, Grammatica's 25-yard field goal, giving K-State uh, opening K-State's lead, but – I cannot I cannot stress enough about how much David Allen has been tremendous on special teams. I think he's really been the one who's brought who's really um, just considered K State as special teams. You in the first place, but uh, that that's possibly one highlight you can look at. I I, I think the I, I just think the the last drive with Michael Bishop and Darnell McDonald. I mean that that's that's going to be the best possession in k-state history no doubt about it yeah i mean especially in terms of dramatic you know how dramatic it was and just to give us the lead at the near the end of the game was just absolutely crazy um let's see what age the best we're just copying this straight from the rewatchables i'm sorry bill but um don't sue me um for (laughs) what age the best year i had late 90s football i think late 90s football watching this has aged very well there's a lot of speed option but there was a lot of like power football and stuff. My favorite, my favorite K State play from that '98 team was the quarterback draw from under center, where he just takes like two steps back. Where if like if you don't get the push on the offensive line, like you're totally screwed. But the respect, like our offensive line was just that good that he could actually run that play. That he would just drop two steps and then he would just have a like a C to run through. That that was personally some of my favorite stuff I've seen. Oh boy. This this is a tough question for me, but, but, but well, I mean, I don't know if you watch the rewatchables. It's kind of a weird question. Like it, it is kind of a weird question, but oh man, what I, I don't know. The nineteen ninety eight season were just really hidden late for me as a K State fan. Well, especially the Nebraska game. I, I shoot, like I I I don't know. I might have to go back to 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 the same answer uh, as I did before. I, just I, just seeing the offensive line. Uh, leave plenty of time for um, for Michael Bishop to to find a wide open um, Darn McDonald in the end zone. I mean that's just pretty much been probably the main highlight in the nineties for my six. Yeah, I mean I got a few others. Jeff Kelly's and Mark Seno's neck pads definitely look pretty. They look pretty ba, pretty solid. Um, Martin yeah. Gramatica's celebration after hitting like a thirty yard field goal is absolutely funny. He looks like he broke the record like he did earlier in the year. It is so funny. He does like the you know like the the jump up and with the fist pump. It is so funny. And the way he went back to the sidelines as well. He was just like, "Come on, right here, clapping, like, clapping like, as hard as you it's, can." It was it was basically an extra point. He was they, just so happy. I thought it was so funny. If you go back, there's a there's a um, college game day clip that's in five parts. At the beginning of part five, there's this like it looks like a dragon, but it's supposed to be like a wildcat float thing that they had at college game day. Oh, that's that right. thing looks really cool. They, they I might always, post the picture later. They've but always it is had so the, funny. They've had that thing on top of the um, oh I think well it used to be Varney's. They always had that on top of a Varney's roof, which is now Rally House. Um, but it, it they always had that up during I think like. 
St. Patrick's Day parades before they made it into fake Patty's Days. Uh, they also had it during Homecoming, which I just thought it looked really cool just seeing that thing just real, really high up there just staring, staring at us. It's like a monster. It just scared the crap out of me when I was little. Yeah. And then um, I just have one other thing for what age the best. It is completely unrelated, but it was on college game day, and I thought it was fairly relevant to um, what we're going through now with these times. So um, here it is from college game day. Chris, no doubt a lot of Michigan fans expected a season-long battle at quarterback between prize recruit Drew Henson and fourth-year junior Tom Brady. But as evidenced by Brady's performance against Penn State last week, if anything, according to the Michigan coaches, that gap has widened 17 completions to 10 different receivers last week against the Nittany Lions. I mean, I was just going through college games. I was not expecting to hear about Tom Brady, but it was so funny. He was in a quarterback battle with some guy named Drew Henson, who I've never heard of before. Starting, <laughs> starting a quarterback for the Patriots. Oh, oh shoot. Man. What's his name? Wait, but wait, who was Brady against? Was I don't know. Oh, I oh, Drew Henson? <laughs> I already completely forgot his name. Yeah, that's how forgettable, <laughs> forgettable he was. I'm, I'm pretty sure Michigan. Oh I'm pretty sure Michigan that year did go to the Rose Bowl, beating Wisconsin. I think the winner of that Michigan Wisconsin game uh, was gonna was gonna play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Okay. What age the worst? I have the college game day logo. I think it looks terrible. Like it's just like a little circle. It's got some random stuff in it. The college game day, they've really ramped up college game day now. First of all, it's three hours. I think this one's only like an hour. I mean, in the I think the, like the music kind of sucks. It's just some generic like horn music that I don't know. But like the new college, I think this college game day logo looks terrible. Well, I mean, it was the 1990s. Everything. Yeah, wasn't I know. As, everything I think- wasn't as updated as it is today. My only complaint about college game day now is they're doing way too much with coming, uh, coming to your city, uh, with a theme, with a theme song to college game day. It was, it was pretty cool when I was a kid. Like go, go back to, oh man, go back to like 2008, 2009 when they were really like when it was just big and rich, just singing. Uh, and then you also had you also had a rapper as well in it. Uh, I, that was that was that was probably the gold spot. And then they just had a lot of these other other artists come in. I was like, no. Yeah, just the original way they had it. Was the original like the best. way yeah, was the exactly. best because I think yeah. K State was on there occasionally, and I was like, it was just like every time I would wake up and see, I was like, oh, that's that's my school. They just never mentioned K State in the theme. And even when we were really good in 2012, it yeah. still happened. I think we maybe had a clip in there. I remember us being there just for like a little bit. But yeah, I don't think we ever got talked about it. Oh, if we got talked about it, oh my gosh, I would have been so starstruck. Let's see. Uh, oh, the BCS <laughs> has an aged great with the, we now have the college football playoff. And what is what was then to come with the BCS? We mentioned the complaints from every single year that the BCS has happened. It's it's a tough thing, John. I mean, it's said it's supposed to have like top ranked teams playing against each other in ball games, but uh, it they, kinda, didn't, it they didn't do it that well. It hasn't proved uh, very much in 1998, 1999. I'll I'll tell you that. Uh, and then they just had to have a, a Kansas team who didn't even win the Big Twelve playing the BCS. I don't understand. Uh, I, yeah, that, that's till till this day. Just, just I'm not. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, and then I just had Nebraska being good at football for aging the worst. 
because <laughs> uh, quite a tumble they have had. How do you think the Huskers are going to do this year? Well, the way they're looking I have no clue. offensively, they I got mean, Casey Thompson back. I mean, that's a oh yeah. They got to make it or break it with Scott Frost. Yeah, that's it's going to be a big I, year I, for him. I think I think the Oklahoma game to start off the year that's going to really tell us how Nebraska is going to yeah. play. I think they're playing in Ireland in Week One <laughs> against Northwestern. That'll be fun. You're going to have to look that up. but That'll I, be fun. I think, I think they're playing in Ireland. All right, John, next category. K- most random K-State player you totally forgot. I put that, I had Eric Hickson. I kind of forgot about Eric Hickson, but uh, he didn't have a great game. He had some decent runs, but I don't know. He was kind of a running back I forgot about a little bit. Because <sighs> there's a lot of memorable names on that 98 team. That kinda, this is kind of a tough category for I this wouldn't, one. I wouldn't say random, but I know this but I know this. Uh, Former defensive lineman, personally, Joe Bob Clements. Oh yeah, he was the one who forced the fumble that Jeff Kelly picked up. Oh, that's right, he did. Uh, he he did force the fumble. Uh, former player out of Emporia. Uh, yeah. cur- he's currently, I think, the D lines coach at Oklahoma State as well. So yeah, uh, he's he's really got things going down there in Stillwater. Yeah, as well. So that that's but that's but player of. A, comes into mind all right now we've got a couple of awards we have the john higgins award for the biggest ref blown call um well i mean uh, this one is pretty obvious john i mean in the third quarter there was a there was a huge late hit that just totally i'm just kidding it was it's the face mask call i mean they i don't i don't like they said the ref had the the flag in his pocket it would have been funny you know if like we were doing a game like that for hgtv and we're like do you want to see it it's like god no no don't show it on replay no Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Um oh man. Well, but yeah, that's I mean that's the biggest ref blown call. I mean, I mean if we're going to have to be honest and just and just have to be like KU KU basketball when dealing with sanctions. I mean, we'll have to face the facts, but you can't do anything about them. <laughs> it's definitely the face mask yeah, penalty. Yeah, we got a call in our favor. It happens to this is probably that's probably the biggest call that we've ever gotten in our favor. Think, think of think of us if if the game happened today. Think of how Nebraska fans would take it. Uh, Twitter would be funny as heck. That would be so funny. You got a rapid K State Twitter fan oh, base. That you would got be rapid hilarious. Twitter the trolling. Nebraska fan oh base. my gosh, that would be hilarious. But I mean, I mean we, we already had we already seen that uh, already this week when I think one of the one of the pages uh, posted like most iconic photos and then case then a lot of cases yeah. just came out with the face mask yeah it, it was a it was it was awesome just seeing just seeing his t- head head just spin around yeah <laughs> it's just so it's unnatural but it looks so cool yeah I mean that takes the cake for the John Higgins award for biggest ref blown call a uh, biggest what if is obviously what would happen if Nebraska got the face mask call would they be able to drive down and score I say no um and then obviously looking forward you know beat Texas A&M you know all of that stuff um I think it's a pretty straightforward what if it's a tough one to talk about because, I mean, Tennessee-Florida State was not a great national championship from my, what my dad has told me. So it seemed like we would, you know, have been able to give at least Tennessee a good run for their money and maybe I take think it. But... I think we'd give Florida State a good run for their yeah. money as well. Yeah. It probably would have been Tennessee, though. Um, it probably would. Yeah, you're right. It would have been Yeah, because Tennessee. Tennessee was undefeated. Uh, the Mitch Holtis Award for best call. We'll get that here in a few minutes. Uh, let's see. I mean, I I put down Apex Mountain again, just blatantly stealing from the rewatchables. But um, I mean, Actually, this wait, Blake, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there real quick. Mitch Holtis wasn't on the call. It was Greg. it was the Mitch Holtis Award. Oh, Mitch Holtis Award. Okay. Yeah, you know who was commentating, right? 
No, I don't remember his name. His but... name is Greg Sharp. He's actually oh, the yeah. current commentator for Nebraska. Yeah, I, did, I was trying to remember the guy in between Holtis and uh, Wyatt Thompson. But yeah, Greg Sharp. Okay. Yeah, but we'll keep it the Mitch Holtis Award because, you know, Mitch That's is the fair. GOAT. That's um, He's a legend. Yeah. Um, Apex Mountain, again, just stealing from the rewatchables. This entire team, really, Apex Mountain. Michael Bishop, uh, Bill Snyder. Is this Apex Mountain for Bill Snyder? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wait, Apex Mountain? As like, in like, like the peak of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I okay. think. Well, I mean, we, I guess we can just. Is this, with the amount with the amount of weapons they had as well, and I mean, just just just. Oh my goodness! I mean, amount of players going into the NFL draft as well. I mean, I think well, you said eighteen, right? Yeah. That's just those are numbers. I mean, you would never hear out of a K State team. Yeah, I mean, accolades for this team are just, like, all over the place. Bill Snyder was Big 12 Coach of the Year, the Bear Bryant Award for Coach of the Year, the Walter Camp Coach of the Year Award. He's the AP Coach of the Year. Michael Bishop won the Davey O'Brien. You had three consensus All-Americans, bunch of people on the first team All-Big 12. But, John, with the few minutes we have, let's talk about it. Is this the most important win in K-State history? Because I think there's three. There's the 89 North Texas game, the 03 Big 12 Championship, and this game, really, I think. Unless I'm missing something. But I think those are the three that are really in contention. You have the one that started it all, you know, the biggest upset possibly, you know, one of the biggest upsets in college football history, and then you have breaking uh, the streak. Well, you're, you are right. The North Texas game does come into mind. I mean, K-State was winless the last three games. They could finally get a win for what has been forever. I mean, it was worse than KU bad. Uh, and then the game we already talked about in Nebraska, you finally end a 29-game losing streak. Uh, you get your first home win against Nebraska since 1959 as well. Uh, and then the Oklahoma game, while K-State probably had nothing to lose, I think that I think we were talking about this uh, before the show, it was definitely probably that factor where K-State had nothing to lose and they just completely light out, uh, just lit up one of the best college football teams than we've seen in uh, uh, the Oklahoma team in 2003. And even when they didn't win, and even when Oklahoma didn't win, they still played for a national championship, too. So I, I don't know. BCS is just a mess. Don, I need an answer. <sighs> is this, I think I think this win against Nebraska is the most important win. I think it is. I think it is. I think, mo- I most think important. I think as the well. entire season was riding on this one game. Really, I don't think anybody cared how bad we were beating anybody else. They just wanted to beat Nebraska. I think the 2003 game that's, against that's, the 1998 game against Nebraska was definitely more. It was. I mean, there was a lot of pressure. That's, that's the first time K State fans in a while took Nebraska as their primary rival and not Kansas. That's yeah. saying something. Yeah, the 2003 game against Oklahoma. I mean, it's not like we were in real national championship contention. We had some tough losses early that year. I think El Robeson got hurt as well yeah. in the middle of the season. So we were kind of playing with house money in that game. It was an awesome upset. I mean, it led to a game being able to go to the Fiesta Bowl and stuff. But I mean, overall, in the you know, it was a big win. But I don't think it was as big as this game with a team that seriously could was a national title team. The one in '89 is a good argument because you think about what if we lose that game, and you know, because it's just another heartbreaking loss. What how 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 much longer do you give Bill Snyder? You'd think eventually he'd win a game and he would still turn it around. Obviously, but it's a really interesting conversation. But I think this is the most important win in K State history. Most important game though. I think the A&M game is more important in terms of the ramifications I would have. I think K-State looked a little bit too ahead around. of a Texas A&M game, but yeah, 
Well, it was also in St. Louis as well. I know yeah. all that happening, but yeah, just well, unfortunate. Well, John, we're out of time, so <sighs> there's. I mean, there's so much to talk about this game. Maybe later on we'll come back to it. But it was a lot of fun talking about 1998 versus Nebraska. We're going to travel back to 2022 here. And uh, from us to you, Blake Crawford, John Grove, on the debut episode of Willie's Archive here on the Shake and Blake Show on Wildcat 91.9, we say to you. So it's a good night from the happiest place on earth, Manhattan, Kansas.